In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Joining today is my remarkable co-host, Patrick Pister. Hey, yo, Mark. How you doing? We're doing good, Patrick. I uh, had a small gym injury this morning, so I'm limping around. Was, old, old man LaCour here is yeah, limping through the halls. Yeah, it was nice <laughs> for you to ask me if I needed a walker. <laughs> Worried about you. Yeah. And we actually have some guests today, don't we? We do. We are back with Knowledge Vine. We've got David and David, David Bowman and David Sowers. How are y'all doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Doing yeah. great. Yeah, and it's great to have y'all back on the show. So the first show we did with you, David, was so fascinating for our audience. We decided to bring you back. And Patrick, this is the first time we've ever done this, right? We're getting ready to do a three-part series. That's right. This is going to be a lot of you know rubber meets the road, meat and potatoes, things that can be implemented. So we're breaking it up into a three-part series. This is one of three. Yeah, and so um, in order to uh, kind of jump into this, because I know the audience knows who Knowledge Vine is and what y'all do because they watched your last episode, but at a high level, what does Knowledge Vine do? Well, the biggest thing we like to come across with is that we uh, like to reduce human error, the frequency of it, and then lower severity of that error. So if we can get into the system, the organizational system, look at the organizational breakdowns, latent organizational weaknesses, we like to go attack those as fast as we can to help the company get better at what they do and raise their performance. So in a nutshell, y'all come in and y'all help the companies improve the performance of their people. That is correct. Yeah, which inherently drives safety metrics, right? Absolutely. But it also drives things that companies may not think of. So when your people are performing how they should be, all of a sudden your projects hit their milestones and their delivery dates. Absolutely. Profitability, shareholder value, all that sort of stuff. That's correct. You can look at quality, reliability. There's a lot of aspects that really get touched by this. And if you think about it right now in the world, over $37 billion are being spent on human error and rework. So if we can get a, uh, our hands around that and get that kind of controlled, that's yet another cost-saving opportunity. We can also see it in indemnity and risk, lowering our risk and our, and our managing our risk better. So this thing kind of touches a lot of different aspects of an organization that we sometimes kind of forget about. Safety becomes the big one that we look at, but there's a lot of reliability, quality, uh, different things that are touched by this that we can absolutely correct. And help. And we talked a lot last time on rolled throughput yield. And a lot of companies look at their end result and where when the rework's done at that point. But y'all want to attack it at every stage of the process so that rolled throughput yield is is affected as well. That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go ahead and jump in the meat of this. So the, the thing that's interesting is is y'all aren't an academia company. Y'all aren't theory. Y'all aren't a bunch of guys sitting around on a whiteboard in La La Land. Y'all actually live, breathe, and do this stuff. That's correct. We uh, spent a lot of years together uh, in the uh, utility business, especially in the nuclear power side, where we did this side by side. Dave and I actually were both operators together in the same plant, where we had to use self-checking, peer-checking, a questioning attitude, procedure uses, the tools that we actually teach. We had a chance to live that underneath the reactor vessel inside that plant every day, and then we both moved into management, where we had a chance to help other people learn how to do it and use it normally. So it became part of the way they did business, part of their culture, as opposed to a theory or some methodology we just knew how to talk about from a brain space place. We've been there with our hands on it and understood it completely. Yeah. So David Sowers, I want to kind of hit the first part of this that, that you, you talked about, executive leadership. 
Why is it different when you're dealing with executive leadership, when you want that rubber hit the road executable stuff? Well, a lot of times when you're trying to roll out a new process or a new program, uh, it comes off as a one size fits all. We act like everybody's a homogenous group. Everybody has motivated by the same things. They want the same outcomes. And as Dave was saying earlier, the uh, uh, safety tends to be an the most common outcome that people kind of rally around. I mean, who's against safety, right? Right. So once you get past that and you want to get into a little bit more granularity of what does this individual want? What's in it for me? We talk about it all the time, acronym WIFM. You know, what's in it for me? We're adult learners. We aren't kids being told, hey, go learn your multiplication tables. And we say, okay, I believe you. I'm going to do this and put this effort in. I got to know what's the payoff for me. Why is this important to me? So what we've discovered in, in our journey with this company is to come in and try to say that everybody's doing, it's going to be motivated by the same thing as missing the mark. So we have to go in and get the commitment really at three broad levels. And one is the executives, you know, they've got a commitment to safety, but they're also going to be committed to other factors. Like as Dave was saying before earlier, the, uh, you know, lowering your EMR, lowering your indemnity, making sure that we're getting the, hitting the targets and, and uh, uh, making sure our projects are coming in on time. Yeah. So is it critical to get buy-in by executives? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're leading the charge, right? You know, follow me. And if there's not a lot of commitment there, it'll, it'll get sniffed out in a hurry. You know, believe me, the uh, individual contributors, the workers and the leadership, the supervisors, frontline supervisors, they're looking upstream to see, is this really a joint effort? Is this a total organization thing? Or is this just getting pushed down to us, to the workers? This is a good thing for y'all. We get to check a box, feel good about ourselves, but we're not really getting to have a whole lot to do with it. You know, all the work is going to be done on the front end there. So we're really making sure that we get the entire organization involved and the executives to ensure that they're the leadership is practicing what they preach. You know, the old, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions speak so loud. Right. Yeah. So David Bowen, it's, um, what's some of the things that are different about working this way with executives? Well, you know, like Dave was talking about, we have to have a guiding coalition here. We have to have a reason to do it. And a lot of times when you ask a person, why do you want to bring human performance into your system or total organization performance improvement into your system? They don't really know why. And a lot of times I'll ask the question to leadership and they'll say, well, we want to make fewer errors. Or we want to be better in safety. Well, those really aren't targets. So we like to get after some real targets, some real what I call yield or we call yield in our, our process around accountability, commitment, and conservative decision-making, some real tangible things that we can go fix today. So when I show the executives that, you know, these are things that we're missing, misaligned on typically, and this is what we need to have if we want to bring this kind of culture in to raise our performance, then we have to spend a lot of time doing exactly what he said to show basically what is it in it for us? What are we going to get out of this? What is our return on investment? So just being better and saying I want to be better and make fewer errors is not really a good enough reason to do this. So we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time with the executive group explaining to them what they will see, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, and more importantly, why are we really doing this? So starting out with a um, kind of a diagnostic survey, we like to show where the misalignments may be inside of an organization. So right off the bat, if we have misalignment around the way we see things, if I'm a, an individual contributor, vice, an executive leader, we want to close those gaps quickly so we can help the culture get better and stronger. So spending a lot of time with a kind of a burning platform of, of showing them where the gaps are currently at with the organization it gives us that kind of thrust to get going. Now, the question you're asking gets kind of back to having a powerful guiding coalition. We know that we have to have executive leadership buy-in to even start down this road because we're going to be touching every employee. 
and getting every employee focused on these things we're talking about, accountability, commitment, and making better decisions in the field. So we got to have that guiding coalition to help support this because it's a huge effort when you start talking about changing a culture. And that's really what we're talking about, culture change, where they need to be totally bought in with this, they being executives, working with us as partners because we really do partner with our clients. We don't just go in and say, hey, we're going to do this. Good luck to you. Hope it works. See you later. We stay with you through the whole thing until you see an actual change. And that's what we want to do. So, so working with the executives is very, very important to make sure they understand what we're going to be doing together in this partnership. Can we dive down a little bit deeper exactly what type of things you're going to be getting their commitment on? Because when I hear a safety culture and getting an executive buy-in, a lot of times you hear, well, that's a zero incident rate and do it right the first time. And these monikers that you can slap on the wall, and that's as far as the executive team will get down to. He's like, no, we've got a zero incident rate commitment the guy should be doing it. That's what they should be working towards. So I'd like to hear from y'all exactly how do you go deeper than that? Because that is that's surface level, really. Well, that's a great goal. It's a great target to have. Right. But what tool are you giving your people to make sure that happens? You know, uh, wish is a plan. Without, without, no, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're just relying on luck or maybe we've gotten by on luck for a long time. But um you know, we, we have to give them something to do, and that's where human performance comes in, and, and it actually will help shape and change the behavior. So we're getting the safer behaviors, the more efficient behaviors, the behaviors that um, won't result in rework and, and uh, accidents and damaged equipment and things of those nature. that answer you? Yeah, a little bit. I just I was kind of getting to more because I, I think whenever we start talking about it, it kind of goes down to the front line guys, what they should be doing to prevent the rework. But at the executive level, instead of just slapping those no incidents, no one gets hurt. Do your job right the first time. We can put it on a tally book. We'll slap it on the walls. It'll be talked about at every meeting. But that, like I said, a lot of the executive teams I've seen, they that's what they like to do, and they think they've done enough. And I don't think that's what you're talking about. I think you're talking about going deeper. So can you give us some more yeah, meat to, into to, what you want the executives to do? Sure. So get to get a little deeper into that right now, I'll tell you the uh, the diagnostic survey right off the bat. What that does for us is it tells us where executives see the organization. And then we like to see where supervisors, managers, and leaders see the organization. And then where the individual contributors, the actual employees that do the work in the field, where they see things. Let me give you an example of one of the questions. We like to ask the question, do employees follow the rules? And it's amazing when you say, as an employee, absolutely, we collectively believe that we follow the rules. But the executive lead team will say, and we've seen this about 92 to 95% of the time, they don't think the employees follow the rules. To me, that's a huge opportunity right off the bat to say, why do you feel that way? And why are you seeing things that way? Maybe it's an opportunity to go out and do more coaching and more targeted in-field visits and, and actual mentoring to see if people really are following rules or do you just believe they're not doing it? So that misalignment right off the bat is a quick, easy fix to, to work on communications, to work on in-field visits, and to go out and actually mentor what you expect to see as a leader, as an executive leader. So that right there is a quick return on investment where we don't we haven't even started with you yet to actually get into the full-blown topi organizational improvement piece. This is just an opportunity that we're missing today cuz we can't see it. It's the sensory aversion thing. I can't smell my own room, right? So I don't really I don't really know why I feel this way. I just feel this way. Well, we want to close that gap. And so the employees start seeing me more as an executive in the field. Their body, and they see that we're doing something differently now. And now we're going to start moving. So that's one of the deep dives we go into. Well, that, that 
change of scenery is important because we're, we're taking a journey. We're asking the whole organization to take this journey with us to have improvement. And they'll start walking down the road with you for a little bit. But if they don't see a little bit of a change of scene, scenery, there is their work environment a little bit different? Is the process a little bit different? Um, we're seeing some improvement. We need to get there. But to add a little bit to the diagnostic piece that Bowman was talking about, we actually break it out. The very first question in the diagnostic is, what is your role? And so that's where we can kind of get that misalignment, that understanding, am I uh, a craft person, an individual contributor, am I a frontline supervisor, am I an executive? And um, that's, you know, for example, um, one of the questions, this is from one of our clients, the question was, in my line of work, employees believe every task can be done without error or injury. The executives, that was their highest rank question. They said, they said, absolutely. They gave it to 10 across the board. And it ended well, up. Well, if they being, didn't, they were setting their guys up to fail. They, you know. Yeah. Well, their guys, the feedback from their guys where they ranked it mm-hmm. on the craft people, it was in the lower third. So there's a huge misalignment between That's quite what, a disconnect. what we think in, at the desk or in the ivory tower, or however you view your executives. Yeah. Everybody believes that. Of course. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, you know what's interesting about that? If you think about that from a research point of view, that means there's automatically a bias in the decision-making process. So the executives have a bias, right, in the way they make decisions because of that difference in information than the frontline people. So that inherently keeps you from having alignment. I mean, just it's, it's exactly. built in. Mm-hmm. And if you right. can't identify that, you can't remove it. Yeah, if you don't ask the question, you don't know it exists, yeah. right? And so that's one of the things we like to get straight into with that. The next piece of that is to do a very thorough training process with the executives so they understand every part of what we're about to roll out to every employee. And I think a lot of times we take a buy on that because the executives don't, quote, unquote, have time to sit through training. But if we're going to spend money and do something that's going to change our culture, then, man, we need to know what's going on in that room. We need to know what's going on with this training. So having the executives be bought into that training right off the bat, seeing their uh, survey results, having the burning platform, uh, and then forming a guiding coalition is how you actually make culture change stick. And that's what we've become so good at is making this stick. It's not just heady theory. Let me draw you some flip charts and give you some training and leave you. It's something you can sink your teeth into that's actually going to make a difference. So we start there uh, believing and knowing that that's how culture change actually happens. Transformations have to happen at that level or we're not going to be successful. So, David, let me ask you a question. If you came into an organization and they could use your help and the executive team said, look, we don't need any training, we're too busy, go train the rest of our people, what would you tell them? I would tell them don't waste your money. Because I was just going to ask I'm, you if there's will, anything you've walked away from because that's the answer. Is, I will tell you, we have an unwritten ma- mantra in our company, and, and that is if you're not successful, we're not successful. And if we can't be successful with you at the very beginning from the top, then it's going to fail and we're going to get a bad name. So we don't like that concept of it. We want to make sure you're all in when you when you roll these dice with us because we're going to make a difference. We're going to make a change. It's going to be a huge culture change for you. And we got to have you bought in at the very top. It's it's interesting how quickly you we can get a sense of this is a check the box exercise. We feel like this is something we need to. There's some other stakeholder that's asking us about this, and so we're going to bring you guys in, and we're just going to check a box. There's not real commitment to the process, and so we we yes to answer your question, we have walked away from some that you know it's like hey this I, we don't think this is going to be a good fit. Maybe if you guys down the road you feel like you're ready for it and. And we'll certainly support them where we can, but to get all in and to put our reputation on the line based on when you're getting that sense that somebody isn't all bought in like you are, then we'll, we will back out. But that's, that's but actually that's, really good. But that's a really deep question that Mark, Mark asked, and we talked a little about business, business ethics at lunch today. If I was a frontline employee 
and y'all came in to make some improvements, but you didn't work with my organization because management wasn't bought in. I want to know that if I'm out there working in the field and y'all decided not to work with that, my management team, that should tell me something about the commitment to my safety. Well, what you're actually describing is a program. And if you think about it, a program is something that comes and goes. And everybody knows that. This becomes a flavor of the month kind of a thing if management's not 100% bought into it. So we know that too. We've lived it. Uh, we want to make sure we go in there and we've got everybody bought into this because it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's different than, than any other thing we've ever seen because I can roll out a process to anybody and say, we're going to all do this, okay? And, and we start down that road. And then let's say somebody, you know, trips, slips, or falls on ice. Well, now we change all of our t- attention and focus to, well, let's go stop all the slips, trips, and falls on ice. That's a program. What we want to do is change the culture. This is the way we do work from now on. So when somebody slips and trips and falls, it's because we were not paying attention. We had the wrong behavior. Something allowed this from an organizational perspective, and we can actually have a corrective action to prevent the recurrence, not just fix a symptom. Going back to talking about you know working with senior management, and, and I love how y'all, y'all look at this because I agree with you. Culture is always the hardest thing to change. And our industry as a whole is sometimes guilty of pencil whipping a problem, right? So we get the experts in, they get a program like you described it, and we get them out and the problem has been addressed. And it's not, not, it's not how it's done. To affect change in a culture is work. And if you can't get everybody on the boat, it's, it's not going to happen. So is there some other areas as far as dealing with executives? You know, so you talked about they have to be willing to be trained like everybody else, although I'm sure the training's different. But is there other areas working with executives that's different than working with, like, management or frontline people? Well, we drive uh, – the, the information that we give them in the training, it, it's information. How you apply it is the difference because, you know, let's face it, you could go read a book about human performance or you could do a three-hour online class or something like that, and that's great. That's information. But how do I – there's a huge gap between – taking that information from the classroom or whatever that setting is where you're getting that information and then applying it to your work. And so one of the things we talk about is giving people a role. What am I going to do different today that I wasn't doing yesterday that helps to drive, move the ball down the field, that helps to drive the culture and the culture change and the culture shift. And so um, we bring the information to them to try to get that commitment. Once we get that commitment, we need to show them how to apply that application. And one of the things we do is get them out there doing paired observations. Are you watching how your supervisors are supervising? And we'll see it time and time again, even if they have an observation program, may not have the the specifics you need, the granularity, or maybe they're not intrusive enough or they're not critical enough. It's all rainbows and lollipops. You'll see an accident will happen and they'll say, are are you watching? How's the work going out there? So over the last six months, we've had nothing but glowing observation reports. Everything's great. Everything's perfect because they're not doing it the right way or they're not doing it at all. So um, that's one of the giving them a role, giving them something that we need to do and how to do that in an effective way that really helps to move the needle and affect some change. And, and again, the frontline worker is looking to see how you're asking me to do something different. What are you doing different? And then you, so they we're going to roll out human performance or total organization performance improvement. We got knowledge vine coming in. I hadn't seen my not my manager's boss in a year in the field. And suddenly here he is giving him coaching about human performance. I start to get the message that, hey, this is here to stay, but there's commitment to this and I need to get on board with it. So giving them that role helps to move things along as well, too. I think we I think we discussed it last time, Bowman, but do you have any um, problems with observation bias because they're being watched because they have somebody 
actually there on the job with them, that they're doing things different than they would normally do? Well, the first thing we do when you're going, going we, that we coach to is when an observation is going to happen, when you're going out there to do, and we say coaching, observation sounds like such a passive term, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> do, you, do you really feel like you want to turn in your timesheet at the end of the day? I was observing stuff. I'm like, well, that guy was working. <laughs> you, were just, you were just observing work going on. So the first thing we do is, is to uh, coach them to have that communication. Why am I here? Why is this important? You know, we want to see the behaviors. And you got to spend some time there, too. It can't just be a drive-by. You know, if you just swing by, yeah, you're right. Everybody will just go, okay, tighten up. Boss man's watching. Mm-hmm. You know, we can we can get to the process and, hey, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. He's gone and we'll go back to doing what we were doing. But when they see that, hey, they're in this for the long haul, you know, we need to demonstrate these behaviors time and time again, whether somebody's watching or not. It, it takes time. It does take some time. You are hitting on, on a gap that we do try to coach to is to make sure that they understand why we're there and why this is important. And this isn't a gotcha exercise. The end result of this, if we do see... If somebody's that, watching me, it's a gotcha exercise always. That, that, well, <laughs> if, you, if you walk up and you don't communicate why you're there, yeah. and you've got that pen in your hand and the notebook and you're standing a couple of uh, stanchions away, sort of peeking around the corner, they're like, all right, this yeah. is what's going to come now. You know, they immediately start, do I have my hard hat? Do I have my safety glasses? Do I have my hearing? You know, do I have all the PPE? Where's my procedures? Everything they start catching up all your paperwork and all those <laughs> things because it's it's turned into policing rather than coaching. You know, so we tell our folks is, you know, think of yourself less as the police out there, more of a counselor or more of a coach because we're trying to help them improve those behaviors. So if something is identified, it's we're not here to beat you up with it. You know, we're we're here to just drive the behaviors because I'm not going to be watching all the time, and I really want you wanting to improve the behavior to improve the outcomes, be it around safety or productivity or efficiency or those sorts of things. Is well, that if, a, I, if I may, too, okay. I'll just say this. Over time, the more this becomes habit, the more people will open up and realize you're not really there to catch them doing something wrong as much as you really want to catch them doing something right. And, and so the idea around changing behavior and changing culture it really is to use positive reinforcement in the right way when you do see the right behavior to get that alignment. Now, again, we're, we're focusing on organizational alignment as kind of our go-to. That's where we want to take you. So the organizational alignment piece is, is, is not happening because we are trying to lead from the chair as opposed to being out there where it's actually happening, where things are actually going on every day to see how difficult it is to possibly do this job or to, to have the right tools or to, or to have the right training it's hard to see that when we're not out there engaged in the field doing the coaching observation. It's much like a football game. You see a coach, where is he standing? He's standing on the sideline where the game is happening, not, you know, at a desk hoping that the game is being played correctly. So we want to change the and shape the behavior of going out in the field to see what's going on, to be more out there, uh, spend more time when you can to coach and mentor and show people the, really what you want. That helps you with your alignment piece at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, uh, Patrick, getting close to kind of winding down uh, this first episode with Knowledge Find. So it's actually time for a Red Wing safety tip of the week. So, David, David. (laughs) I was going to throw one out there for, uh, you know, Dave, you kind of mentioned it earlier, the old Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, story or or saying where what you do speaks so loudly I can't hear what you say. And we got to remember as executive leadership, people are watching us and they're modeling their behavior based on what we show uh, matters. And I just wanted to kind of remind everybody, you know, one of the things that's really tough when you're in a leadership position is you do spend a lot of time on that phone. And just remember, when you're driving out of the parking lot or you're driving away from the plant, you know, if you're if you're showing people that it's okay to talk on a cell phone while you're driving away, 
Uh, that kind of goes against what we're going to tell them the next day in the safety briefing about, hey, don't talk on your cell phone while you're at work. So just be mindful that we're, we're modeling the behaviors we want people to have. Yeah, that's so. an awesome safety tip because you're so right. I have seen that so many oh, times. Yeah. And, and I've seen it bigger than that. I've seen you know, executives walk into a job site with no hard hat. Uh, you know, and so what type of message does that send to everybody else? I've seen an internal corporate magazine with a, an executive on a ladder, no harnesses, no <laughs> ear protection, no gloves on, and that goes out to everybody. And that, that upsets the people in the field. If That's I right. have to do this every single day and this guy comes out for one trip to the rig or the job site and he can't even do it, then why should I? Right. Let's put it to what Dave was saying earlier that we've lived this. So we've had that perspective. When the magazine comes out and you see the executive there, you immediately start just picking it over. It's like, does he have everything? Is he wearing the right shoes? It doesn't look like the right shoes, you know, because just being in that role, we understand that that's how they're looking at you. My wife does corporate communications, and when she has to have some kind of graphic in there, she gives it to me even once over, and I immediately, no, no earplugs. <laughs> bad picture, bad picture. Because right. yeah, right. those guys are going to pick it up immediately. You almost want to just take like people out of every picture you want to just I, you know, If I go something. to a rig, I won't be in a picture because I'm just so worried that there's going to be something. It's not zipped up all the way. There's something wrong yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, we talked earlier about the um, the survey that y'all do. If I'm not mistaken, don't y'all have a free version of it on your website? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. And we changed it from survey. We want to make sure that we don't turn anybody off with the term survey because it's kind of a, a cliche. Uh, hey, we've taken 10 surveys this year. We don't need another one. This is truly a diagnostic tool and it is free. I really encourage you guys to get out there and take advantage of this uh, at knowledgevine.com. The survey is up. It's ready to go. It's an example of one. If you want to go deeper, you give us an email address. We'll shoot you a full-blown 37-question uh, no kidding, diagnostic tool to show where you are as far as alignment goes in your organization. This thing has been a great, great tool. Uh, helps a lot. It's a, it's a great place to start uh, with us. So that's kind of where we recommend you go. Uh, if you want to start with Knowledge Vine, uh, go ahead and take that diagnostic survey. Uh, who's, this, who's this meant for? Is this for the executive team? Is this for some manager that wants to kind of get an idea of if they want to go down the Knowledge Vine route? Who Who's this designed for? Yeah, survey? so so the whole the whole diagnostic tool is, is designed for the entire organization. But right off the bat, if you want to go see it, I think the executive leadership and management folks ought to go try it first. That way, they'll understand what's going to be in the actual uh, diagnostic when they take it. This is an example or sample again, but but yeah, it would be meant for everybody in the organization. We want to see where the misalignment potentially exists so that we can quickly close those gaps and get everybody uh, on the same page. Well, yeah. it, it could be a driver for anybody. If you're that individual contributor, that first-level worker, and you're looking for help, you're crying, screaming out for help, um, look at this thing and see, does it hit the mark for you? Are we asking the kind of questions that um, would bubble up the concerns that you have? And then forward that link to your supervisor and say, hey, take a look at this. It's free. You know, I'm sure your supervisor would love for you to show up with something free, right? <laughs> yeah. Who's going who's gonna to be against that? Yeah. So, Patrick, we'll throw a link in the show notes that because it's a very, very, very valuable tool. So, uh, David Sowers, you don't know this, and David Bowman's been through this once, but see that bag over there? Uh, yes. That's the Red Wing Offshore bag. It is in unbelievably uber high demand. People throw try to throw cash at us to get one of those bags, and we don't do it. It's not how it works. The only way you can get one and the only way our audience can get one is to go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Throw in your information there. We draw one lucky winner a week, and this week's winner is? And this week's winner of Red Wings Offshore Bag is? Gayub Romianto. He's an HSE officer at PTU Bayou Maritime Perkaw. Congratulations, Gayub. You are this week's lucky winner. 
All right, so uh, go go fill out your information, get that Red Wing bag, uh, no purchase necessary, see official site for rules and details. And Patrick, now it's time for us to talk about our LinkedIn group. Our LinkedIn group, the Oil and Gas Global Network, or OGGN, you can type it in there. David, David, y'all should both be members of it. It's a great place to see what the industry is doing, ask questions, post articles, hear about the show and the upcoming events we've got going on. Yeah, and we just got new logos. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, um, we did. <laughs> and I've had so many, and this has probably come out after OTC, so it's gonna be too late. But I've had so many people ask me, bug me really, about free OTC passes that I, on the LinkedIn group I shot a note saying, "Hey, go sign up for this newsletter. When my newsletter comes out, here's where all the OTC free, free OTC passes are." So if you want to get free stuff, it's another good reason to use the group. Uh, reviews. We Patrick and I desperately need reviews. I have no idea HSE audience, and we know who you are. We see the downloads. Why you won't take the three minutes and give me and Patrick review i think there's a problem yeah i think if they are and i need to go back to our old show the old show pops up first if you type in red wing only guest hsc podcast our old show is still popping up at the top of the list oh yeah so if you're listening there's there's a long story well the short <laughs> story is is i broke the feed so in itunes there's two oil and gas hsc shows they look exactly the same look exactly the same <laughs> except one ends at episode like 17 or yeah, something 16 or 17 and one has all the new episodes. So leave us a review. Well, you know what, Patrick? We managed to make it even harder for him, didn't we? We did. <laughs> yeah. Leave us a review did. on the new one, <laughs> not the old one. We really, really, really need it. But the link, if you go to the show notes, the link is to our active show. So just go to the show notes, click the link. It'll take you right to the one yeah. you need to. Well, yeah, we would a... recommend that you guys uh, take our surveyor to see where that organizational <laughs> weakness is. And this series will be released so far in the future. I'm not going to talk about what events we're doing. But I do have to thank our on-the-road sponsor, Lee Heck and Harrison, they're the global experts in talent management. Lee Heck and Harrison is currently helping over 75% of the Fortune 500 oil and gas companies with leadership and workforce transformation. Hats off them. Uh, they're the reason we can go everywhere. We're going to actually see them out at OTC, which will be too late after this. Um, but we have a bunch of other events. I think we're you, going you to. brushed over. We're going to OTC as press. We are covering the event. Yeah, we're, we're press, folks. Yeah. You're listening to the press show. <laughs> One of the press shows on, on OGG, and we have several. Want to talk a little bit, by the time that you hear this, Paige Wilson's show will launch Oil and Gas Industry Leaders. You can go find her show at oilandgasindustryleaders.com. We'll link over to your page. Yeah, we'll link over to your page. She's giving away $200 steak dinners. So pick you up a bag and go pick you up a $200 steak dinner. You can do all that by just by listening to the show. And then if you'd like Patrick and I to come out and speak to your HSE organization, your company as a whole, uh, your gun club, whatever, uh, reach out to Patrick and I. We'd love to come out and uh, uh, speak with you or speak, or speak at your event, and we'd be happy to share details. Um, other than that, Patrick, anything else? I think that's it. We just want to thank you all for coming out again. Um, David and um, David Towers, thanks for being here this time. And we've got two more installments of this series coming up, so you're going to be back. Two more times. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. yeah, this is great. This is a lot of fun. When you guys aren't working, I'm going to grab that bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston.